ahead and be seated. Welcome today. How are you? Good. Happy Father's Day. Man, I hope, uh, you're, I hope you fathers are honored today, that you are blessed, that you get a chance to maybe take a nap today and enjoy the nice, finally, summer weather that we're having. Um, and man, what an incredible story with Kayla's baptism this morning. Let's, let's give it up for Kayla and her decision to follow Christ. Like that's... It just never gets old watching uh, people who come to faith and see their lives transform slowly and, and, and quickly all at the same time. It's just an exciting uh, thing that we get to be a part of. If, in fact, if you are uh, here and maybe you are brand new to following Jesus or you've been following him for a long time and you have not been baptized, we would love to talk with you about what that might look like for you. We'd love for you to come and get baptized. Jesus actually tells us, he commands us to be baptized to make a public proclamation of the inward change that has happened in you. And so if you've not been baptized, just text the word next to uh, the number that's on the screen, and uh, we'd love to have that conversation with you. Well, um, as we get started this morning, we are wrapping up this three-week series that we've been doing uh, called Breaking Chains, where we are looking at recovery. And the way that we have defined recovery is this, is that it's the with God journey of recovering, redeeming, and restoring those parts of our lives that need healing. And we looked at it through the lens of what we call hurts, hangups, and habits. That the, these hurts that we get from walking through this broken world, the, the hangups that we end up believing about ourselves and others and God because of those hurts and those wounds, and the habits that we put in place to try to deal with the pain, to try to deal with the discomfort. And, and you, chances are you've been thinking through what your hurts, hangups, and habits have been. And I'm wondering, like, have some of those come to the surface? Maybe, maybe some that you've been aware of, but maybe there's others that you forgot about or you had no idea were there, but they've kind of trickled up <clears throat> to the surface. And then last week, we took a, a deeper dive, uh, so to speak. Jonah took a deeper dive right into the Mediterranean. Uh, but we, look, we took a deeper dive in, in how our hurts, hangups, and habits can, can kind of throw our lives totally off track. And before we know it, we can be going the opposite direction of where we know we're supposed to be heading. And we can often find ourselves going, how in the world did I get here? You see, finding freedom from our hurts, hangups, and habits is super, super important. And in fact, that's what we're talking about today is what does it look like for you to walk in freedom? Have you ever wondered what that looks like? Have you ever uh, thought about, tried to imagine what would it look like to walk in freedom? In fact, what comes to mind when you first think of the idea of freedom. For, for maybe some of you Gen Xers, right, you, 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 you go old school and you think of Ferris Bueller, right, where, where he borrows a nice Ferrari and does whatever he wants throughout the town of uh, the city of Chicago. Like, that's freedom to you. Like, freedom means, like, no, no boundaries. I get to do whatever I want and, and go wherever I want, and, and, and nobody's going to tell me differently. Or maybe when you think of freedom, you think of, you have this image of like being released from jail, right? That in jail, you're, you know, the, the concrete floors and, and just the cold harshness of it and, and the overwhelming uh, burden and oppression and loneliness. Like there's a million people around you, but you're still so isolated, right? In, in jail, people are bumping into you and taking your things. That There's this intimidation going on. That, 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 that there, there's, it's chaos, 
And then finally, on Saturday morning, you walk out of Costco and you experience freedom. I don't go to Costco on Saturdays anymore. I, I told Renee, like, I can't do it. I, if you want to see a grown man in the fetal position, then just take me to Costco on a Saturday. But, but what, is, what does freedom look like for you? What does that look like for you? What's that one thing? What's that one thing that you're like, man, I wish. I wish I didn't have this anymore. Like, I wish I could find freedom from it. I wish I could grow past it. I wish I could get healing in that. You see, oftentimes what we do when we don't experience freedom is we just kind of grow accustomed to it. We become really good at managing those hurts, hangups, and habits, right? And we, we begin to end up believing things like healing is for those other people. It's just not for me. What if this is as good as it gets? Like, like, what if life isn't going to get any better? What if I'm never going to experience this freedom that we talk about? And what I think we do is that we actually sell Jesus short. We sell Jesus short. In fact, if I were to ask you, why did Jesus come? What did, what did Jesus come to earth to do? You know, most of the time, the answer that we've learned a lot in Sunday school and growing up in churches is that Jesus came to what? He came to die on the cross, to forgive us of our sins, and to make a way for us to go to heaven when we die. And while that is absolutely true, it's not complete. That that's not all that Jesus came to do. And when we just think that, we're actually selling him Sure, because he makes it clear in, in Luke chapter 4 what he came to do. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, here's the thing, is that you might hear these words that Jesus said, like I did for a long time. You hear these words and you think, yeah, that's for the people who don't know him yet. Like, like I'm, I've been forgiven, like I prayed the prayer, right? I, I, I'm going to heaven, like I, I know Jesus, I go to church. The, these words are not for me anymore, right? These words are for those people who don't know Jesus yet. But I want to challenge you on that a little bit because these words are for you, no matter how long you've been following Jesus or not. That he's come to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to the captives, and liberty to the oppressed. Like, which part of your lives, which part of your life is still captive? He wants to speak liberty to that. Which part of your life is still oppressed, is still blind, is still poor? He wants to bring good news he wants to bring new sight. He wants to bring liberty to your life. Is this possible for you? So today we're going to look at what does it mean, what does it look like to walk in freedom? We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, if you want to follow along. Before we dive into that text, would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day. God, thank you for uh, this day that you've given us, God, we thank you for fathers, <clears throat> Lord, for the fathers that we have and the fathers that are around us. Uh, God, we thank you for them. We pray that you would bless them abundantly today. 
God, as we now look at, uh, at, at freedom, what, what it means for us to, to really, truly find freedom from those things that have kept us back. God, my prayer today is that even now in these moments that you would, be, that you would continue your, your work in us. God, that intricate and, and fragile work. God, that you desire to, to bring about deeper levels of freedom in each of us. I pray that we would say yes to that. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Paul says, look, Jesus has set you free, and he set you free for freedom. So don't go back. Don't go back to the old yoke of slaver, slavery. And so, so here's the thing. In the early church, there was, there was two main groups of people because they were asking the question, what is freedom in Christ? Like, what is freedom in Christ? And, and you had two groups. One group said, well, freedom in Christ means that, yes, he's forgiven us, but we are still bound to all the religious rules, all the ceremonial law. Like they were going as far as saying, like, you can be a Christian, but even if you're a grown man, you still need to be circumcised in order to, to follow under the religious law. And then you see this huge exodus of men just walking away, right? I mean, that was group one, right? It was the Judaizers. It was, it was the one who were still so, like, bound to the religious rule. And then you have the other group, group two. And group two says, um, nope, Jesus paying for our sins, so we can just do whatever we want. Like, like I, can, I can go wherever I want, I can do whatever I want, I can, I, and I mean, you name it, it's, it's, it's open territory, it's free game, because Jesus has paid the price, I can do whatever I want. And Paul says, actually, neither of these answers are correct. Let me give you a better understanding of what freedom truly means. And he says this in verse 16, he says, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Does this sound familiar to any of us? Remember what Paul says in Romans 7? Like, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do. Like, this is what he's talking about is that inside each one of us, there's an actual war going on. The desires of the flesh and the, and the desires of the spirit, and they are opposed to each other. And when he says flesh, what, he's, what he means is the sinful desires that we all have. The, the sinful desires that comes along with, with living in a, a broken and, and fallen world. That there's this constant opposition, which is why it's not a cakewalk. Have you noticed that? Like following Jesus is, is not a cakewalk. It's not like you, you sign on the dotted line and then all of a sudden all your problems go away. No, there's continually a war going on inside of you. This is part of what Kayla was experiencing when she said in her story, like there's this battle of good and evil going on. Like this is real life. This isn't make-believe. I mean, you know the war that I'm talking about. You know that war that's going on inside of you? Maybe right now, that internal struggle, that, that tension. And Paul says, following one way leads to death. Following the desires of your flesh lead to death. But walking in the Spirit leads to life. 
So Paul says, look, yes, because of his death and resurrection, Christ has set you free. So don't go back to the old ways. Don't go back to the things that drained you. Don't go back to the things that enslaved you. But instead, he says, walk by the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does walking by the Spirit mean? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to just spend the rest of our time on, is what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, <clears throat> first, let's, let's start with who is the Spirit? What is the Spirit that he's talking about? Well, it's not just this, like, like this kind of crazy, like, ooh, I have this intuition and these feelings, and, like, I can just kind of feel the Spirit, and it's all this warm and fuzzy. No, no, no. He's actually a real person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the one that Jesus promised to send to us after he ascended back into heaven. He's the one who indwells believers in salvation. He's the one who draws unbelievers to salvation, and he will never leave you. He's called our comforter. He's called our counselor. He's called our guide. He's called our helper. And so when Paul says, walk in the Spirit, he's meaning to live in the Spirit, to behave, to, to act, to conduct yourself in the Spirit. So how do we do that? I mean, for many of us, we think, well, I prayed the prayer, like I come to church every weekend, I, I serve in the children's ministry when I'm brave enough, I serve in the youth ministry, I go to women's ministry, I go to men's ministry, I, I, I do all these things. Does that mean that I'm being led by the Spirit? And I would say, maybe, maybe not. So what does he mean by walk in the Spirit? We're going to read Galatians 5 and then 18 all the way through 25, all right? It says this, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. He's telling us what the state is of our souls, that when we follow Jesus, that our flesh gets crucified, even though there's still a war going on inside of us. And then he says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, let's break this down a little bit. There were two key phrases in this long section of verses. Two key phrases. Did you catch them? The first one is to be led by the Spirit, and the second one is to keep in step with the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit, Paul says it looks like being led by the Spirit, and it looks like keeping in step with the Spirit. So what do these two things mean? Let's look at being led by the Spirit first. What does that mean? Well, to be led by the Spirit means that there's a willingness, a, a surrender, a, a humility, a, a willingness to follow his leading, his specific course of action, that I'm no longer leading my own life, that my friends are no longer leading my life, that, that, that culture isn't leading my life, that my fleshly desires aren't leading my life, but I'm choosing a new leader, and I'm being led by the Spirit. Now, this kind of grinds our gears, if we're honest, right? I mean, we love our independence, don't we? Like, we love being our own people. Like, I make my own decisions. 
I get to do whatever I want. Like, what do you mean I have to surrender? I don't want to, I don't want to follow the spirit. I don't want to be led by the spirit. And here's the scary thing is that if that's really what you want, he'll let you. If you don't want to follow the spirit, he's not going to make you. And, and just as a warning, no surprise, but if you choose not to be led by the spirit, it will only lead you. I promise you, it will only lead you back to more hurts, hangups, and habits. You will only be more stuck just like you've always been. But he says, be led by the Spirit, that he leads and we follow, that he speaks and we listen, that he moves and we move. So how do you know where the Spirit is leading? Is it just your intuition? Is it just a a feeling? You see, friends, that's why the Bible is so important. Like he's given us, uh, he's given us a manual to be able to see what it is that he's like. Like, like, you can't come and say, well, I think the Holy Spirit is telling me to go and rob the corner store, right? Dumb example. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, he's not going to do that. Why? Because we see in Scripture that this isn't what he's like. The more we get to know him, the more we read his word and get to understand what he's like, the more we get to see how he's leading us. So the first one is that we are led by the Spirit. The second thing is that we keep in step with the Spirit. Literally to march in rank and file. And and so as we are led by the Spirit, and when we follow Him, uh, we can start to move along with Him. My son started marching band. He's going into high school, and they just had a mini band camp. And it made me think back to when I was in high school and when I was in band camp. And I might have sh- shared this story before, but, but when you're marching, right, when you're practicing marching, right, you, you, you have to look straight ahead. So you're, you're, you're keeping in line with the people in front of you. And then you're also keeping in line with the people to your size, but you're not allowed to turn your head or else they'll come by and, like, you know, you get dinged. Not, they don't hit you. I don't know why I did that. But, 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 they, but they'll, they'll watch you, right? So you have to watch out of your periphery. And so you're marching around the field and you're watching this way to make sure you're in line and you're watching and there's so much pressure to stay in line, to keep in step with those around you that, that one day I was, I was doing my best, right? And it was the same day that I forgot a belt. I'm doing a really great job of keeping in line with the people in front of me and the people to my side. And then we get to the end and I knew what was gonna happen once they told us to stop is that my shorts were gonna fall down. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened. We all stopped, the whole band in perfect unity and and, and walking in step with each other and my shorts hit the ground, but I just stayed there for a second. Like, I don't wanna get in trouble. And then I waited till the band director turned around and I, I snatched them back up. But that's what keeping in step looks like is that we begin to do what he's doing, that we begin to go where he's doing, that going, that if the Holy Spirit is speeding up, that we speed up. If he's slowing down, we slow down. That if he's starting something new, we, we go along with him. If, he, if he's asking us to stop something else, then we stop something else. You see, as we are led by the Spirit, we start to learn to walk in step with him. It's almost like a dance, right? That we learn to listen to him, we, we, we follow him, and the longer we follow him, the more we're able to keep in step with him. 
We, we have a couple of dogs, and one of them's this huge, like 90 to 100-pound Swiss mountain dog, and uh, he's a great dog. But when we got him, we realized he was going to be huge, and we want him to walk on a leash without yanking our shoulders out of socket. And so we actually hired a trainer to help us with this. And so uh, as we were learning what this looked like, um, you know, we had kind of a learning curve. In fact, one day we were out in the field and I had about a 20 foot long leash on Captain and, and, uh, and I said, come on, Captain. And I start running this way. Well, he thought I was running this way. And sure enough, the, the, the 20 foot leash gets tight and we both went airborne and landed flat on our backs. And it was, it was painful. But what, what we did is we kept working with him. We kept working with him. And now he's like almost seven years old. And now when we take him for a walk, we can't even say the word walk anymore because he gets all excited. You know, we have to use code words like you want to go on a you know what, right? But now he even knows what you know what means. He knows that that means walk. So we have to come up with something else. But he, he's so good at walks now that he, he knows he walks on our left side. The leash is always slack. He knows even where we're going. Like he knows the routes that we're taking through the neighborhood and he'll get up to a corner and he'll kind of stop and look at us like, are we turning here? Because usually we do. Or are we going this way? Because sometimes we'd, like this is what it looks like. Now, every illustration only goes so far. What I'm not saying is that we are leashed to the Holy Spirit like dogs, okay? But you get the picture, Right? is that there's a learning, there's a, there's a growing that as we learn and as we are led by him and walk with him, that, that, that we get to be in step with him. And Paul says when we do that, when we walk in the spirit, that we no longer gratify the desires of the flesh. Like, doesn't that sound good? Like that's the freedom that he's talking about. Now there is a warning here. There's a temptation. Because for some of us, when we overcome incredible hurts, hangups, and habits, the, the temptation becomes that we become this self-righteous, religiously rigid, judgmental person. Right? We, we end up falling back into group one. And I don't know how this happens, right? Because uh, we've been forgiven much, right? We, we, we've seen where we've come from. We've, we've overcome some incredible stuff. But if we're not careful, we can become those religiously rigid, self-righteous people. And what we do is we end up trading one set of chains for another set of chains. And friends, this isn't what Jesus is interested in. He's interested in breaking chains for us. So let's get practical. What does, what does freedom look like when it comes to your hurts, hangups, and habits? Maybe you have some hurts. Maybe for you, uh, walking by the Spirit, being led by Him means that you're going to come out of denial and you're going to allow this painful hurt from your past to, to come to the surface. Maybe it means that you're going to let go of some resentment that you've been harboring against that one person. Maybe it means that you're going to forgive them. Maybe, maybe to make amends for, for pain that you've caused. Maybe it, it means that you get to, a chance to, to fully go back and, and grieve some of those losses that you've experienced that you've just tried to ignore. Or maybe it's to share your hurts with someone that you trust. Maybe that person is, is in the community at Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights. Maybe that would be a step for you to, to come and join us tomorrow night at, at the community center. What would following, walking by, walking in step with the Spirit look like for your hurts? What about your hangups? 
Maybe for you it means analyzing those hang-ups, putting voice to them, actually stopping and saying, what is it that I really believe in this moment? This is a powerful, powerful exercise. What are those things? Be brave enough to, to say them out loud, maybe even write them down. In fact, this is what I ask people to do sometimes is, to take a piece of paper and write down all of their hang-ups on one side, right? The things that they believe about themselves, others, and God. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be something. Like, God's not trustworthy, blah, blah, blah. Like, you name it and write them all down. And then on the right side of that paper, <clears throat> begin to write the truth, right? That I am a beloved child of God, that nothing can separate me from his love, that, that my actions don't define me, that, that, that God's grace is bigger than all of it. Like begin to write down all of the truths and then just compare the lists. And immediately you begin to see like, man, I've been living by these lies for so long, I'm going to replace them with the truths. I, re- I remember when this happened significantly for me, that for a long time, one of my hangups was that God didn't, didn't really love me. Like I've preached sermons about it, I sing songs about it, but, but really how I understood it like on a very honest core level is that God didn't love me, he just sort of tolerated me. That, that he put up with me because he has to. Right? Like he said he'd forgive me, so I guess he's stuck having to forgive me. He doesn't, he didn't really love me. And I saw how this hang up turned into so many other damaging things in my life. And as I began to, to address this and began to, to realize like, no, 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 my understanding here is different. So I began to just dive into what does it mean to be loved by God? What does it mean to be the belo- a beloved child of God? What does it look like that, that God actually has affection for me, that it's not just a toleration, but that he thinks about me? And I began this hard work and, and just repeating it to myself over and over and over and over again. I'm a beloved child of God. And soon that hangup was replaced with the truth. So what are those hangups for you that, you, <clears throat> that God is wanting to bring some freedom about? Or maybe your habits. Maybe walking by the Spirit means that he's wanting you to confess, to bring to light something, a a habit that you've had for a long time, maybe to get counseling, to addiction counseling, whatever it might be, to get some support around you. And and it's not just to stop doing something, but to start doing something else, creating new habits in their place, that we end up going wherever it is that we're looking. And so instead of just stopping old things, we create new things. What are those habits that God is wanting you to, to walk away from? And what are those new habits that God wants you to put in place? And here's the thing, friends, that when we do this, when we walk in the spirit and and no longer gratify those desires, there's like a newness of life that happens in us. There's a newness of life that can happen in you. And it's almost like the lights turn on and it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing. (laughs) Like this is what life can be like. One of my friends, Joel, has this story. Let's watch Joel's story. I've been sober for uh, 19 months now, going on 20 months. We're going to go with almost 20 months now. So there's a lot of firsts in my life. Uh, For example, never rode my motorcycle sober. 
Um, never been to any of my family members' weddings sober. Sobriety is a whole new different game for me because uh, I didn't think life was possible with sobriety. What do you do after you stop drinking? That's what I did, I drank. Uh, what is it that you do afterwards? Is there something that you can exchange for being an alcoholic versus having this freedom? In the deepest, darkest place that I was in in my life, where at that point I had already decided the only way out was death. I had an experience and I felt just the overwhelming presence of God surrounding me and in that feeling, in that overwhelming presence of God, I knew exactly what was going on. That was the last time I took a drink again. That was the moment that I got sober. Today is number 623 for Joel. Yeah, that's awesome. He's right here, my friend. <laughs> so, so let me just ask you, what does walking in freedom look like for you? What does that look like for you? I mean, are you willing to trade a life that's marked by running, hiding, chasing, a life that's marked by rushing, procrastinating, indulging, fear, anxiety, pressure, frustration, and hatred? Are you willing to exchange that for a life that's marked by the Spirit? Do you remember the things that Paul said in that verse, that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If you were to take a step toward freedom today, what would that step look like? for you. And can you imagine your life one year down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, experiencing true freedom? Man, that's the best life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today. So much to celebrate. God, so much goodness that you have in store for us because you came to bring about liberty to bring about good news, to recovery of sight. God, this is what you do. And so, Father, I pray that now for all of us. God, we need you. We need you. Would you help us to take that courageous step? God, to walk toward freedom. God, whatever that might be, walking in the Spirit and experiencing true freedom. And God, for those who are here this morning and they're ready to take that first step, that first step in following you, that first step in, in trusting in you, God, we thank you, God, that you make it very clear that whenever we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that you are God, that we are sinners, that we need you, God, that you forgive us, that you wash us clean, that you start us on a new track with new life. If that's you this morning, just take a moment and say that prayer to God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you did pray that prayer for the first time, man, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to answer questions, celebrate 
with you. You can just text Jesus to uh, this number on the screen and we'll get back in touch with you about that, all right? You have a, a cup and a little wafer that represents the, uh, the body and the blood of Christ. We do this every week because this is what it's all about. You see, we can find freedom from our habits, but until we find Jesus, we're not truly free. That this is what it's all about. Christ's body broken and given for you. Let's remember together. And Christ's blood poured out for you and for me. Let's remember. As usual, we're going to spend some time singing and responding to our good God. During this time, uh, we want to invite you that if, if there's something going on in your life, no matter what it is, we would love to come alongside you in prayer. You can come under the banner over here in the back corner, and there'll be someone there to pray with you, all right? Let's stand together as we sing. <laughs>